I'm David W. Berner, and this is The Writer Shed. Probably just a little off this mic, uh, you probably don't hear it, but I can hear it. There's a, a blackbird kind of cawing its way through the afternoon here where we're recording in the shed. Uh, there's a light rain, it's chilly, but the rain, there's something about being in a rider shed when it's raining, you know, um, even storming. There's something very riderly about that. I don't know what that means, you know, the dark and stormy night thing maybe. I'm not sure exactly, but it's kind of comforting to be in the shed at this time in this early spring in the Chicago area where the shed stands on my property here. Uh, the Writer Shed podcast is born out of this shed, and many of the things that I write about and write every day come right out of this shed. And much of that writing is done on a computer, a laptop. That's what I work from most of the time. However, I have this affinity for the typewriter. I have an old uh, Royal that I just love. It's the it's the uh, portable Royal that uh, Hemingway used. It was on his desk in Key West at the home there when I went to visit many years ago. But right beside me here, and I'll kind of tap on it a little bit. You can hear that com- wonderful tapping sound of the typewriter, right? This is a Smith Corona Skywriter. And I bought this recently. Um, and it really came out of a... Um, a kind of re-evaluation of writing and what I'm trying to do with my writing. And it made me slow down a little bit. I actually wrote a poem on this thing, which is, I'm not sure I could write a full book manuscript on a typewriter these days anymore. Uh, might be a little arthritic. But, you know, writing a, a, a bit of poetry or a short story, or I, I even did the little bio for my website um, on this typewriter, and then I posted it as a typewritten page on the website. There's something beautiful about that experience of of typing on a typewriter. And um, a gentleman who wrote a book all about that and is a collector of typewriters and believes there's something magical about the typewriter is Richard Pult. He's the author of Typewriter Revolution, A Typist Companion for the 21st Century. It's really a great book. It really dives into deeply into the aesthetic that we have, that sort of Um, emotional connection we have with the typewriter, even if you're a young person who's never used a typewriter before. He is a professor of philosophy at Xavier University, and you can imagine that philosophical bent in his mind probably has a lot to do with his love for the typewriter. I'm just guessing on that. But he joins us today on the uh, Writer Shed podcast to talk about the love of typewriters and what it all means to the creative process. So, Richard, thanks again very much for being here today. I see some typewriters in the back of your screen there. This is your office at the university, right? That's right. Yeah, if I turn the laptop around, uh, you can't hear this, but uh, since you're on video, you can see many other typewriters uh, in the environment. Wow. Okay. So, let's get right to the real question. Why? Why is this such an affinity for you and and many people? uh, It's sort of a throwback. Why is that the case? Because they're just great. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I think the basic reason people are attracted to something is irrational. You can't quite put it into words. You can talk about it all you want. But if somebody doesn't share the feeling, the words are going to be empty. Um, However, you can, you know, if you share that same basic attraction, uh, you can explore it together and find ways to talk about it. So 
you know, in, in my book, The Typewriter Revolution, I go on at great length about this. Yeah. Um, so people who love typewriters actually do so for, for many different reasons, but they tend to enjoy the, the sensory qualities, the, the touch, the, the sound, the, the look of the typewriter and the typewritten text, uh, even the smell of the ink and the oil uh, is enjoyable. And they like to sink into the experience of using a typewriter. Yeah, it is a tactile kind of thing, right? I mean, uh, it's, uh, and, and if you're used to using a, a keyboard, a computer, which obviously many of us are, and you go back to a typewriter, it really is a whole different, it's a whole different feel, right? I mean, it's like you have to relearn a, l- a little bit. At least I have. Is that true? That is true. I mean, it's different because um, especially on a manual typewriter, the keyboard is a little more steeply banked um, and a modern laptop just has a flat keyboard Uh, of course you just have to graze those keys in order to to type so it's a very it's a very easy fluid movement over the laptop and you have to pay a little more attention and actually type with a sort of staccato movement on a manual typewriter yeah so again let's get back to the why on this i mean i love the look of a manual typewriter especially the old manuals and this Skywriter that I have, the Smith Corona Skywriter, is very sleek. And so I think it's just about 1960, if I can gather the right um, model numbers on this thing. So there has that sort of sleekish, sort of almost space agey look that was big back then. Um, and I really love it. Um, I love the way it sounds. I love the way it feels. Um, and you, you allude to the fact that sometimes people are just in love with the look. But people have really turned to you know, making this, I don't want, don't want to say their primary use uh, for writing, but certainly have been using it a lot more than they would have in the past. And I think your book uh, alludes to that too, that there is this movement toward that. Why do you think that's happening now though? I mean, this could have happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I think it was definitely underway 10 years ago um, and maybe 20 years ago. So it, it's, it's more than a fad. It's been going on for quite a while. Um, I first really got in touch with it when I started uh, writing a blog by typewriter, sometimes called typecasting. That was 2010. I had been hearing about people who'd been doing this, and I thought, well, okay, I'll give it a try because I I have this typewriter collection, but I don't use them as much as I'd like to. So here's a a reason to, what the heck, use a typewriter. right. Uh, And in case anybody is wondering how do you blog with a typewriter, it's simple. You just take a picture or scan uh, your typewritten text. Yeah. But uh, when I did that, I found that, uh, okay, now I'm a member of a community of people using their typewriters around the world. And it kind of feels like there's this rebellious thrill, uh, something exciting and secret and bizarre, a little club. Um, it was a very special feeling. And that grew into uh, this slightly tongue in cheek, but also serious document I wrote called the Typewriter Insurgency Manifesto. <laughs> uh, and that kind of caught on, uh, and that expressed that that we're rebelling against the the information regime and the data stream and the the all-consuming digital paradigm, because yeah. that's what I thought we all had in common. You know, people were and are doing a lot of different things with typewriters. They have different opinions, and and they're not just using them to write; they're using them to make visual art or or music or all sorts of things. But uh, what we have in common is that we're doing things non-digitally. Mm. And um, in 2010, uh, and and even more in 2022, we're aware that the digital world has its disadvantages. So I think people just simply want a break from that. They want an alternative. 
Yeah. And, and let's go back to this manifesto, because I, I think this is really, really cool. It, it, it is in a way, um, I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too harsh about this, but is it a way of sort of like giving the finger to the digital world and saying, we, you know, we're, we're different. We're going to, we're going to plow a different, a different field. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and like all manifestos, it's, it's kind of simplistic, you know, cause it has to be to have an impact. So, right. so when that developed into the book, the typewriter revolution, I had a chance to, to spell it out in a more nuanced way and make it clear that it's not necessarily about uh, throwing away your computer and never using digital technology, which is you'd miss out on a lot. Uh, yeah. Like, being able to do this podcast over Zoom, yeah. um, and meeting other typewriter collectors and <laughs> buying your typewriters on eBay, uh, you miss out on a lot, and, and it's extreme and and isn't practical for most people today. But it's about not letting that just be the default paradigm for everything you do, and not assuming that digital is best simply because it's fast or it's popular um, and it's efficient. You know, which it. In most cases, it certainly is efficient, but efficiency shouldn't be our only criterion for for technology. Yeah, it slows you down. I mean, I um, I had this little when I bought the Smith Corona, the the Skywriter. I decided to do my short little bio on my website to do it in on the typewriter, and then take a photograph and put that as my bio. Um, mm-hmm. And I had to relearn, you know, had to rethink, had to slow down had to make sure that I was remembering how to not just think that word, but to actually write the word. It really is deliberate. Um, and we're so used to kind of moving on the fly a lot today that I think that takes a another part of your brain to kind of relearn. Am I, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you. so that, of course, the main thing about uh, typewriting as opposed to word processing is it's hard, if not impossible to, to correct your errors. Right. So that has two effects. Um, one is that you slow down and think in advance a little bit about each word or phrase or sentence, and that can be good. You know, it creates more mental concentration and an ability to form a whole of meaning in your mind without relying so much on the screen. Uh, but at the same time, once you once you spell out that thought, once you've written it, then you're less tempted to go back and fiddle with it and edit right away. Yeah. So you're decisive, and then you move on to the next decision, and you keep on going, which for for me, for a first draft of things, is great. You know, brainstorming some philosophical ideas or doing a first draft of some fiction, I found um, that really helps me. Um, put it out there. And then of course, it's going to need revision later on. Uh, and then I, I put it on the computer, but uh, yeah. um, that, that initial writing is very satisfying on a typewriter. So what is it about the people who, who have moved this way? What, it, what kind of person are we talking about here that, that decides to make the shift? Uh, you know, the, the typewriter lovers community involves people of every Gender, age, class, nationality, race, political views, sexual orientation, age, you name it. Um, There are a few more men who are into it than women, but that's not universally true. Um, We're not all over the hill. Uh, (laughs) There are a lot of young people, a lot of kids who are really enthusiastic about it, a lot of teenagers. Um, It tends to be people, of course, who either really value the written word or 
really are into mechanical technology or both, mm-hmm. um, as you'd expect. But but that's not necessarily the, the case either. So it, it's hard to generalize. It's a very um, diverse community in my experience. What, what is your favorite typewriter? Do you have a favorite? Is there something that's the perfect machine? You know, I keep looking for the perfect machine in terms of the overall set of functions and the, the ideal uh, tactile experience and so on. And I haven't quite found it, which is great. It's fun because it keeps me looking uh, for more and more exotic machines. But um, I have sentimental favorites. So there is one that my father bought me when I was 12. I still use it. It's a Remington noiseless number seven from the 1930s. I love how they call it noiseless because it's really not noiseless. <laughs> no, that's a that's an exaggeration. I mean, it's not silent. What, what it does is it kind of lessens the sharp tic-tac of a conventional typewriter and makes it more sort of a thump, thump, thump. Okay. All right. So that one is, has some sentimental value. Is it, it would it be also the one that works what, the best it, for you? Um, I've done a lot with it, especially recently. Um, about a year ago, I wrote the second half of a novel on it. Um, so it's, it's given me a lot. Um, but I guess for just the sheer smoothness and, and nice springy feeling, uh, I would prefer the Olympia SG-1, which is a big 1950s German machine. Mm. Uh, that's also Danielle Steele's typewriter. So she oh, okay. has, you know, whatever it is, 175 novels, millions and millions of words on that one typewriter, wow. and yeah. uh, she still loves it. Yeah, I have a, a Royal that's behind me here, uh, the Quiet Deluxe, and uh, I found it in an antique shop somewhere years ago. But I remembered it, I saw it, and I remembered seeing it on the desk at the Hemingway House in Key West, um, and he used one. And I don't know if that was his, but definitely was the one he used and it was on the desk and I noticed it immediately. I went, that's the one on Hemingway's desk. So I grabbed it. Uh, it needed a little love. Um, I don't, you know, I played with it and did some, you know, uh, searching on the web for some YouTube channels who showed me how to clean it the correct way and stuff like that. And I got it working pretty well. Um, the Skywriter works a little bit better, but that one has an, I have an affinity for that one just because of, uh, the sort of history of that model. Yeah, that, that's a good model. And it's one of the most popular American typewriter models. Um, there's a great website called typewriterdatabase.com. Yes, I've looked where, at it. Yeah, yeah there's, so there's all this serial number data and then users can upload pictures of their machines and so on. I think the Royal Quiet Deluxe is the most popular uh, model, the one with the most galleries on mm. that side. Yeah, there's an art to this too. You know what I mean? The the visual art. Um, you, yeah. I mean, and you see it. You know, I, I I liken it to like you know you see the t-shirts with Che Guevara on it. You know, it's like people don't really understand what that may have been all about, but it's cool to have Che Guevara on your t-shirt. It's kind of like the typewriter in a way. It's like it's a cool looking machine, and I've got it on my, uh, you know, on my uh, on my t-shirt or whatever. But I'm not. I don't use one, but it's cool. You know, there's something cool about it, right? Yeah, it's it's still a really potent cultural symbol and probably increasingly so now. And, and sometimes that's a very superficial appropriation, but yeah, I don't mind. It's just a, another sign that that they're, they're still a thing. They're still alive. Right. And there's a lot of great iconic photographs out there of artists who are before their typewriters. You know, I think of the one with uh, um, Bob Dylan. Uh, I think it's when he was writing like a Rolling Stone or something. He's literally 
whacking at this thing, you know, and thinking as he's walking. And it's a great, there's a video of it, but there's also this great iconic photograph. Um, just creatives of all types in front of typewriters, you know, today and, you know, many, many years ago. Um, so it, it has this thread that sort of runs through the creative world too. And not just what you would call novelists or writers, but thinkers of all kinds in front of typewriters. And I find that fascinating too. It's like this thread that goes through the creative world. Yeah, it's still a very potent uh, romantic symbol of creativity. Uh, even though, you know, in the heyday of the typewriter, most of them were not used for creative work. Most of them were in business or government offices used by secretaries who were uh, copying down the dictated words of their bosses or they were filling out reports or, you know, it was an everyday machine that most people didn't look at as a work of art uh, or anything special. No, I think of the uh, the scenes in Mad Men where you know, everybody in the office is, you know, hanging over a typewriter, whacking away. Um, yeah, it was very much a, uh, you know, a machine for the, for the office in a way, not the machine for the creative mind. Um, but it's become that. So tell me a little bit more about, about your book and this sort of revolution. I mean, you've created a bit of a cult, I would think, uh, by the, by, why uh, publishing this book? Am I, is that too much of a, uh, a simplification? Well, let's say I, I didn't mean to create a movement just to give some impetus to it and give it a little more momentum and help to articulate what it was about. So I think uh, the book has succeeded in that way. You know, it it continues to sell in modest quantities and um, people continue to send me typewritten letters about it and say that they appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so um, so I'm, I'm happy with it. I think, uh, you know, my, my day job is a philosophy professor and I've published books about Martin Heidegger, who's a great, brilliant philosopher, but also was a member of the Nazi party. And so an ambiguous type. And I'm not sure I'm making the world better by publishing about Heidegger, but I do feel I've made the world better with the typewriter book. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, so you talked about the very first typewriter that you got. Well, I don't know if that was your very first, but it was certainly one that your father gave you. Was it the very first? Yeah, yeah it was the first one that belonged to me. Yeah. And what is the one that you've purchased or acquired in some way recently? What what would be that one? The most recent one is the one I was cleaning when we started this interview. Oh. Uh, it's a pretty rare Royal Electric, you know, 45 pounds or so. So um, I need it like I need a hole in the head, but it's a, it's a pretty thing and has a pretty typeface. And I kind of had it on my radar for several years. And so when a friend offered one on eBay, I, I couldn't resist. Another one. So how many do you have? Oh, um, roughly 200. Um, and then there are various parts machines because because one thing I do is I raise funds for a local nonprofit, uh, Wordplay Sensi, which works with kids in uh, liter literacy and creative writing programs. Um, so I do typewriter repair and sales to raise funds for them, which is, has actually brought them quite a bit of money. Uh, and to do that, I have a lot of parts machines lying around the basement to help me work on these typewriters that, that come in. So um, there's a lot. So the significant others in your life, whoever they may be, children, friends, wives, partners, whatever, what are they going to do with all this stuff when you decide not to do this anymore? <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to decide not to do it anymore, but I'm going to die. Um, one of these days, and uh, I very philosophical I, thought. 
<laughs> well, we, it's important to remember that, and you don't know when it's going to happen. But and I, my goal is to deacquisition most of this stuff, mm. uh, so I don't want to leave my heirs with um, a lot of heavy metal that they don't really want. Yeah, um, it's it's tough. I know many collectors who have died with hundreds or thousands of machines and left a big headache for mm. their heirs. And there's always the fantasy. Oh, they'll love these typewriters or they'll start a museum or, and, and that never happens. Yeah. Right. Well, good luck with all of them. It's beautiful to see them behind you there on the zoom call that we, we use for our uh, podcast. And there's some beauties in there that I can see. And I'm certainly not as, uh, as skilled or as um, with the, with the process of fixing them and taking care of them as you are, or, or, or have the knowledge that you do, but I do love the way they look and it's wonderful to see them. And I appreciate your time. This has been fun. It was. Yeah, thank you. Once again, the name of the book, Richard's book, is Typewriter Revolution, A Typist Companion for the 21st Century. This has been episode 30 of The Writer's Shed. I'm David W. Berner. Our music is from iRay Music. Production and interviews, as always, produced in The Shed. You can find out more about Writer's Shed Press at writershedpress.com and at The Writer's Shed on Medium. You can also sign up for our newsletter there and find us at Writer's Shed Press on Twitter. And our submissions are open now for book-length manuscripts. We're looking for the kind of link between man and nature, personal essay, creative nonfiction. So check it out, if you will. The Writer Shed is available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.